This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Three, two, one. And here we are for the next episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Uh, I want to start off by saying uh, uh, a little joke. An Irishman, a Norwegian, and a black American walk into a bar. <laughs> here I am with Andrew Morrow and Stuhle Hegetreit. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? Very good. That's great to be on with you. Yeah, yeah, finally, as I as I said, you yeah. were the first person I asked to be on, and here we are, seventy two episodes later. Now you're finally on my podcast. So, yeah. welcome, my friend. Time to get <laughs> and and you, Stula, I've I've never never met you, so you are uh, you are something of an enigma. I've only heard about you. Well, I hope it's good things. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll find out by the end of this episode, won't we? <laughs> yes, we will. Now, you two have an interesting dynamic as coach and trainee. In other words, Andrew, you are the coach or personal trainer, and you train yep. Stula. How did you guys meet? How did this uh, relationship come about? Do you want to go? Okay, I can go. I am. I met Andrew at the gym, uh, where he works, and uh, um, I was watching him for a while, and then I introduced myself and, and asked him if he was a trainer. He looks like one, and and he was training other people, but I, I wasn't sure. But um, and then I, I talked with him and. He sounds and uh, and looks like uh, a guy I, I, that can train me. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely looks like a guy. I, I've told you this before, Andrew. Uh, that one video that I saw of you, you were doing chin-ups, and it looked like you were defying the laws of gravity. Uh, you know, you, you've you've got that strength as a smaller guy, but every mm. ounce of your very existence is muscle. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you have quite the efficient, uh, muscularity. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. very, very few people that have that type of strength that you have. So it's very yeah, impressive. I think, yeah, body weight exercises and calisthenics tend to favor me anyway, because I'm small and light. So it's not really that impressive when you're only moving around 70 kilos. <laughs> well, well, let, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, different people have different abilities and different goals. Mm. So the goals that Stula has as a client of yours would be totally different than the goals that I would have if I was your client. Um, how yeah. do you adapt your coaching style to fit the person you are training? Because you don't do a cookie cutter program. I, I, everybody that I've seen no, you train, no. you train them differently. Yeah. So the first thing is to get a sort of, um, is to dig in with the client basically and really um, establish what the goal is. And then we are, I sit down and I'll generally sit down with the client and talk through uh, the path and the process a little bit. And we reverse engineer essentially. Um, we figure out, I take everything on a very individual basis. So it's all fully customized. I obviously have my uh, biases and preferences of how I like to train people uh, what I, based on what I feel is most effective. But I always try and include the client in the process. Uh, we come up with a plan that is both challenging but also very achievable and doable. The big thing for me that I say to clients in the beginning is don't overcommit 
oftentimes people come and they sign up with a personal trainer or sign up with a coach. They're very enthusiastic, of course, uh, about starting to work towards their goals. But oftentimes the mistake that people make there, I believe, is that they actually overcommit and try to make too drastic of a change too soon. Uh, that oftentimes actually leads to demotivation and eventually failure. I call it the January system or the January <laughs> syndrome. Yes. Sorry. Yes. The new year syndrome, you know, where people join in January. They haven't trained since the previous January. Um, they try to then come to the gym every day for two hours at a time and completely overhaul their diet and lifestyle. And it's all too much too soon. It eventually wears them down and leads them, leads them to quit. And then they will come around again the next January. So a big part is actually reining them in a little bit and saying, okay, your, your enthusiasm is admirable and we want to keep that, but we also have to have a realistic uh, approach that will actually allow you a period of adaptation to these changes that we're aiming to make. Yeah, that's very well stated. You know, it's, it's very important to have a realistic goal. You can't come in and conquer the world, you know, in, in a matter of weeks. Um, Stuart, let me ask you this. Why did you feel that you needed a personal trainer? Why did, why did you approach Andrew and ask for his help? Oh, there are, there are uh, different reasons. But um, I have done training all my life uh, in, in a smaller or bigger amount. Uh, you come to a certain level and then you stop. Yes. And you get lazy. You don't have any commitment. So, so I knew exactly what I was doing when I was uh, approaching Chandra that if he could help me. Because uh, um, I stay focused in maybe uh, six, eight weeks, and then something happens somewhere, and oh. which is more fun, and then <laughs> uh, and then you stop for a while, and then you go back, and then and, and it's it's going like this. Uh, another reason is I my age. I'm I'm 57, uh, and I did have a friend, and he was setting himself a goal that he was going to bicycle from from Norway to Spain when he was 60. Wow! So wow. yeah, and he did. Uh, so I thought uh, I I need to have a goal uh, with some distance so that I have something to aim for and work for uh, together with Andrew, though. And, and uh, the the last thing, reason, is that when you get older, uh, I, I I had to do some retraining and, and, uh, in, in healthcare, and uh, I did see a lot of people getting old, and they had uh, not been taking care of their body and, and uh, had a... Uh, I, 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 not so good life, I would say. They, they, uh, yeah. So and and yeah, and that frightens me. So, so uh, this is my some of my reasons to to approach Andrew. And they're all good reasons. Now, if if you had to sum it up in as as one major goal that you want to achieve, what is it you're looking for? <laughs> Uh, health, I think, yeah. Health, better health, yeah, yeah. yeah. better health. Uh, and to and, and and as I, I I think when I met Andrew, I had three goals. 
one, make me uh, bigger for as fast as possible. <laughs> the second one, which is the main goal, uh, is make me strong with everything I can do with my body to, to, to hang and to rise and to push up and, and, and so. And, and then the third, uh, the third goal, uh, I want to participate in a fitness competition when I'm 60. Ah, well, I yeah, tell you, as, I like as, <laughs> yes, and as a power lifter, you know about this, Andrew, there is nothing yeah. that is more impressive than seeing that guy or lady in their late 50s, 60s, some of them even into their 70s, and they're still kicking ass. They're still coming home with gold medals. They're still getting stronger. So I, I, I like this. I like this matchup between you two because, Andrew, you, you know that very often, I don't want to say most of the time, but very often personal trainers are only thinking about the money. They, <laughs> they don't make their clients understand the size of the commitment that the client has to make if they want results. The, the, the trainer will just kind of play on the ignorance of the trainee and just take their money and not really talk about how this is going to be a journey of longevity. Um, and then you, Stula, uh, you are what many would, uh, would not understand uh, or what many would rather see as a, a not, not a typical client for a personal trainer because of your age. Everyone thinks of these young female fitness models in their 20s. Those are the ones that are going to personal trainers. So you two, I, have a, I, I like that matchup between you. Both of you are a little bit outside what the perceived normal <laughs> is in that field. And that's, and that's a compliment. Okay. And that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so so what is, uh, how, how often do you train, Stula? And how many of those training sessions are alone? And how many of them are with Andrew? Well, I train, um, at the moment I train uh, in the studio, I train four times a week and uh, two, or, uh, two of those are with Andrew. Okay. Uh, I also do some jogging or, and walking uh, beside this. But, oh my uh, gosh, my, my whole body just started hurting as soon as you said jogging. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'm not jogging too far, but I, I call it, I call it gogging, because you, I'm, I'm, or in in English it would be wogging, maybe. Walking. I'm walking and yeah. jogging and walking and jogging. So, well, there you go. No. I, I do like uh, yeah. 10, 10 to twenty kilometers uh, a couple of times a week. I try. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. That's pretty decent. That's a lot of movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I had to because I was uh, I was a little bit too heavy, <laughs> so I had to I had I had to adjust my weight. Yeah. So, Andrew, what do you do then to when it comes to customer follow up? Because, as Stula says, not all of his training sessions are with you. Only f roughly fifty percent of his training is with you. So, what do you do to make sure that your clients, or in this case, Stula, how do you make sure what Stula is doing is proper? When he's not with you yeah so i've got him on a upper lower body split um so we do two upper body sessions two lower body sessions a week um so i check in with him on one of his upper body and one of his lower body sessions each week we do those together and then we alternate and follow up on the next 
the the following week. Basically beyond that, I see him twice a week anyway, so I don't need to do a lot of follow-up in between sessions because twice a week is generally enough to not yeah. be overbearing, but enough to be able to give coaching advice. I, I think he's probably, Sterling is probably, here's enough of me ranting on yeah. two sessions a week. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> I, hear, I hear you when you're not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's always my goal with it when I'm coaching clients uh, is I, I actually say to them, I want you to hear my voice in your head uh, as you're performing exercises because I'm big on execution. So everything is about drilling technique, drilling technique, and drilling technique because everything else comes as a result of that strength. If you, if you improve your track technique in an exercise, the strength will follow as a result of that with proper programming and, and systematic progressive overload. Um, and then, uh, and the same, you know, and muscle mass comes as a result of that and, and so on and so on. So we, uh, we drill a lot every time we do a session, it's, uh, it's maybe a bit slower than what he works on his own because we, I coach through the, the yeah, there's a, that time uh, of instruction. So it takes up a little time. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, yeah. So it's a lot of drilling. It's a lot of drilling, uh, technique. And, um, and then I, we, we follow up in those two sessions. We just check in from, uh, from, uh, on alternating weeks and just make sure that he's not slipping into any bad habits. It seems like most, <laughs> if not, he'll hear it from you. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, it, se it seems like most of your clients are men. Am I right? Yeah, probably. No, it's, it's varied throughout the years. I, I would say actually a few years ago when I was working in Oslo, at least, it was actually primarily women. I think I was working with about 70% women. Um, since I've changed base to drama and it has, I think the, the ratio has shifted there more. Yeah. a slightly higher um, towards men, yeah. What What do you think is the reason for more men being willing to start with a personal trainer? Because men, men are so arrogant. We think we know everything. Yeah. Nobody can tell us what's best for our bodies. But something is happening, and more men are going that route. And I speak for men here in Norway. I don't know what's happening back in the states or in uh, or in Ireland or Great Britain. I, I don't know. But here in Norway, it seems like more and more men are coming to uh, personal trainers. What do you think the reason is for that? Uh, I think it's just a natural progression and a natural natural um, consequence of the lifestyle that most men are living now. Uh, and as I say, especially as men are pushing into their 40s and 50s, uh, the consequences of sedentary lifestyle, sedentary jobs, more men are working in offices now um, yeah. than, than even just 20, 30 years ago. Traditionally, men were... Um, in active jobs, of course, uh, manual labor and things like that. And now it's uh, now the things have shifted. And I think it takes a little bit of time for us to overcome that arrogance, as you say. But I think it's just a natural progression now that a lot of men are realizing that their lifestyle maybe isn't the best, their yeah. health isn't in the best shape. And, um, and it's just a natural consequence that, okay, I... I don't really know what to do on my own, so I need to ask for help here. Yeah. St Stuart, how long have you been a client of Andrew's now? Uh, is it eight weeks? Yeah, I think we yeah. just finished week seven, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, we just yeah. finished up on week seven, moving into week eight. We we did talk in, in March, so we were actually <laughs> going to start uh, earlier, but then they closed down because of the <laughs> COVID, and, uh, and, uh, and we had to, to, uh, to wait 
So what did you do, Stula, when, when uh, COVID came around and all the gyms shut down? Did you do anything at all for your health at that time? Or oh, yeah, did you yeah. Do, yeah, what were you doing? Uh, Talk about that. I, I was uh, walking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I did exercises on my uh, veranda as well. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. So I, I was... Yeah, a while I was very, very busy, but, uh, oh. but then uh, I, I was very happy when the gym opened because uh, yeah. it's, you, you know, the hardest thing, and you know this, you, you, you had your pauses yourself, I think, and then to start up again is always hard. The, the, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, to go back to the gym after a while, if you have been away, it, it's hard. So, so um, you have to be, be there all the time, I think. I, I have a little bit of a different view on that whole thing about starting up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm crazy though. I'm a savage, but the way I, <laughs> the way I experience it is the, my entire life. Like I said, I'm 51. I think I was 11 when I started lifting weights uh, for American football. And that entire time I never had a break, so to speak from, from, from lifting. Um, I had planned, uh, you know, pauses that were planned as part of my program to take a, take a break, but no real breaks that were un, that I was unwilling to take up until I started getting all these stupid operations on my shoulder. Mm. And then, so that I would get an operate, I've had, I think I've had eight operations on my shoulder now since 2016. And I would get an operation, it would be anywhere between six to 10, sometimes 12 weeks before I could start training again. But by the time I was able to start training again, you know, I'm talking like small things with bands, you know, basically physical therapy. I was so ready to train that I just slid right into it. And I was constantly looking forward and trying, you know, maybe I would have fallen into what you said, Andrew, that some clients come into it and they're expecting a little too much. I don't mm. want to say I was expecting too much, but I was just eager to get back into it. So, uh for me, it's not that difficult <laughs> to start training after a break. Um, so you were doing like body exercise, you know, body weight exercises and things like that out, uh, you know, on your veranda, on your porch. And yeah, then, I, did, I did what I could do with my body. I, I don't have any weight there or, or uh, almost no weight. So I, I did push-ups and uh, yeah. yeah, so some, some band so, a Andrew, how did you deal with, as a trainer, now this is your job, this is your livelihood, how did you deal with the COVID situation, with the gym being shut down? Yeah, I was actually fortunate that I have, uh, I run an online training company as well, or just myself, self-employed as an online training company, so I was already set to go there. Um, <clears throat> so I have uh, probably... At that time, at least maybe 40% of my income was already coming from online training. So that, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that helped to offset uh, the sudden drop in income. Um, we were then completely locked down without allowed to have any contact with customers whatsoever for, I believe it was five weeks in total before we were then allowed to start training people outside. Um, that was also something that I have done previously uh, as a kind of side hustle. Uh, mm. I never like sit around and just 
uh, weird stuff that happens. So I just pushed that and I contacted old clients and I said, we're not allowed to start working outside. Um, is that something you'd be interested in? I know you don't have access to a gym at the moment. There we go. Now you guys are back. Yeah. I'm back. What a cheap podcast. I tell you, they, <laughs> if I had a boss, I'd get fired right now. <laughs> no, but, um, but you were saying, Andrew, you, um, you took an initiative and you went back to old clients and you brought them into your, um, into your services again by doing training outdoors. Yeah. yeah. Online training, outdoor training. Um, so we initially weren't allowed to use any equipment, so we just had to improvise. We met in parks. Uh, I always tried to find somewhere with a hill, and we did lots and lots of hill sprints and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so we were, able to, I, we were able to keep up. I was able to keep up, the, um, keep my clients on course, at least with maintenance level fitness, uh, we may not have been able to work directly towards their goals if someone had hypertrophy goals, for sure. example. Sure. Um, we were able to keep up a base level of fitness and maintain what we had worked on through body weight work. Uh, after a while, we were then start allowed to use equipment again as long as we were sanitizing correctly. Uh, and I have some some equipment at home, some kettlebells, adjustable dumbbells, uh, TRX. So I started bringing these things along and we were able to... Uh, to uh, yeah, improvise and, and basically, as I say, I don't like to sit around, so we, we just made things work. Um, and I marketed on LinkedIn and stuff like that for oh. both the. You mentioned LinkedIn is you, you, a very good platform for, for marketing. You, you mentioned that you were focusing on at least maintaining everyone's level of fitness. And yeah. I tell you, a lot of people don't understand how important that is. You know, yeah. you might reach some sort of adversity. In this case, it was the gym's closing. In my case, it's getting an operation. But there's always something that you can Absolutely. do for your health. There's always something so that you can, if not maintain, you can at least slow down the atrophy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Stula, let me ask you yeah. this. What is your background? What is your athletic background? What did you, what have you done up through the years fitness wise? Well, well I've, I've uh, been jogging a lot. Uh, I have been training on gym now and then in, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, always. I'm, I was working 34 years in a security company, so okay. I, I I I did like to stay fit and and. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, so um, staying in shape because you worked in security, um, that kind of kept you at least in the vicinity of a gym, right? So you've been yes, lifting yes. weights pretty much your whole life. Yeah, in in uh, in big or small amounts, yeah. And then we also had gym at uh, my work, so you could go training before before work. Yeah. So, yeah. Have so you had any in, any injuries? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I <laughs> I had some problems with my back. I had some problems with my shoulders, and and uh, yeah, you know, and and this is also one of the challenges. I was giving to to Andrew, and actually my back now is better than uh, better than before, and and even my shoulders are are, are improving. They are, they are getting better. That so, is so good to hear because a lot of people, especially with the back, uh, you know, the, the worst thing is when I hear like a 22 year old talking about, oh, my back is messed up, I can't train anymore, and it's like. 
what are you talking about? There's all, there's, this can be fixed. And, and quite often, in fact, most often, I believe, uh, you know, I'm not a physical therapist or anything like that, but I believe from my experience that most back injuries can be rehabilitated through movement, through training and without surgery. What can you say about that, Andrew, when it comes to having clients with, a mul- with multiple injuries? I can say for sure, it's uh, especially when it's kind of non-specific pain, like what Sterla had here. It's not there was no specific instance that triggered an injury. It's it's non-specific pain that kind of develops gradually. Um, and from experience, I can see I've actually seen and uh, had multiple reports from clients that it, it it disappears or it improves simply through the process of getting stronger and a well-balanced training program. Um, if it's a specific injury more like what you had, John, uh, then obviously it needs to be treated by professionals. Uh, but that non-specific pain, I've had so many reports, again, I'm not a no background in physical therapy or anything like that either, but uh, so many reports of improvement and even eradication of the pain simply through getting stronger. Yeah, It's I quite amazing. It's quite amazing how people think that strength training is dangerous and will lead the pain when actually it's oftentimes the I'm, complete opposite. I'm so glad you said that. If, if, if anyone were to quote this episode, that quote right there needs to be in the <laughs> forefront. Um, being strong, you know, training for strength cures so many issues. It, it can yeah. wipe away so many things, whether it's the shoulder, the knee, the back, whatever. But what, what do you say to... You know, you, you Stuart, you're, you're there just to get, in general, in better shape, stronger, you know, uh, bigger, better health. But I'm sure, Andrew, you get clients, maybe women especially, hello ladies, who come to you and say, well, I just want to lose a little bit of size around my hips. In other words, they, they're not thinking they're not thinking of the body or they're not thinking of health in general terms. They want that one little specific thing. How do you handle a client like that? Yeah. I'm I'm a 21 year old woman. I want to be an Instagram model. I just want to, I just want a smaller waist. I'll I'll squat because I want the booty. I want the Instagram booty, but Oh my gosh, I don't want to get big. I don't want to get muscles. What do you say to me then? Yeah, I think that's actually something I encounter less and less. And I think it's actually less of a a sort of issue now as what it was maybe five and ten years ago. Uh, There's so much better information out there now and so much better information readily available that I think a lot of women who typically were afraid of building muscle now realize that uh, building muscle is oftentimes conducive to the goals that they want, which is being leaner, um, having a more shapely body or whatever it is, uh, if we're looking at it purely from aesthetic perspectives, uh, that actually building muscle and losing a little bit of body fat, which the two go hand in hand almost, um, it's actually uh, takes them on the path towards their goals. Um, and as far, again, I think um, strength and muscle is less of a fear now for women and strength in particular uh, than what it was probably even 10 years ago, even five years ago. Oh, yeah, when, I, I, I would sort of women, women had these uh, these pictures of these female bodybuilders from the 70s who were <laughs> yeah, using yeah. all kinds of stuff to uh, to bulk up uh, much bigger than any of us three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but me and Starla anyway. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, women kind of had these images in their head of these steroid-using female bodybuilders and thinking that's what happens when I, when I lift weights. And now it's 
there's much better information out there. It's much widely more available that that's not the response that a female body has to lifting weights if it's if it's treated naturally. I always tell the ladies to just look to the female power lifters in the IPF. Um, yeah. Look at how fit they are. Uh, you know, they're lifting in many of the cases. In, in fact, I believe if you take the top five female power lifters and you compare them to the top five male power lifters, those female power lifters are probably stronger pound for pound, pound, for pound than the, yeah, than the men are. And yeah. yet they are some of the most beautiful, fit, well-rounded and shapely women out there. So I tell ladies to look to those ladies as examples and you see what they're doing they're not afraid of lifting intense and it's not making them any less feminine quite the opposite yeah. in many cases so yeah i completely agree i think as i say i think that's that's been a positive thing of social media as yes. well as yes you see you know there's obviously there can be the negative connotations of it as well in terms of body image yeah. um and i think much of that is down to the individual who's viewing the images and their own sense of self-worth um, yeah. and stuff like that but uh, you know there's a much more positive message being spread out there around strength training and fitness in general as well I think as long as you're going to the right sources there you go sources like yourself <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, would, I, ha I have to, to say one of the things when, when I'm working with Andrew that it's very important for me is um, Andrew is 100 percent uh, focused on me that hour we got he's just focusing on me he's not like other trainers i've seen that are very eager to see everyone coming into the gym or he stay focused i'm paying for the time and he stay focused all the time he never leaves me he always looks at me I cannot treat him ever. <laughs> so, can't so, scare me. <laughs> and, and, but, but I think it's. I, I think that that's one of your quality thing, Andrew. That that's very important for me as a customer. Mm. You really giving me your time, your profession. That's very important. I agree with you, Stula, and I've seen that in you, Andrew. Um, when you're there at the gym working with your client, you are so focused. Um, I guess sometimes I can forget, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I was a gym owner. I owned three gyms before, so I know how that thing goes where you're supposed to have focus on the client. But sometimes I forget and I'll see you there, Andrew, and you're with the client, but I want to kind of talk to you and say hi. And you have this way, uh, I can't even describe it. You have this way of very polite me politely telling me to go fuck off without saying it it's just it's, it's it's in the way you answer and it's in your body language i'm like oh wait a minute i'm interfering here so then i back up and that is a very admirable quality you are keeping that client's time for that client and that's very important absolutely well, that's the signs yeah, of a real professional yeah i, I agree and uh, and as i say for me as a customer it's very important and and even when I see Andrew at the gym working with other people, so I never go over to him. <laughs> Maybe if we pass if we pass each other, we say hello. Well, but I, I leave him alone because I know that this is his work, and 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 uh, I I have my time. See, and I know that too, but I always want to stop and talk too much. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I also want to, but I have to hold back. <laughs> it's your fault, Andrew. It's your fault for being such a likable guy. I blame you. <laughs> uh, I'll take that. <laughs> so, Stula, what does, what does Andrew do to keep you motivated? Because 
I'm sure you're a normal guy, Stuart, and, and, and normal guys don't always feel that motivation to train. Uh, you said yourself, you know, mm-hmm. up through the years, you know, things have gotten in the way. Things have made you stop focusing on your health. Uh, one of the reasons uh, I wanted to, um, uh, when, when I had the talk with Andrew, I think I was quite clear. Uh, I told him I'm a lazy guy. Uh, I like to stay home on the couch and get muscles. Like you are now. Um, You're laying back on the couch, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually on my bed because I want oh. to. <laughs> but, but anyhow. Uh, just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up for a while. No, uh, so, but I, I, told, I told Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm a lazy guy. So I, you, you, I have to do this the military way. I have to admit, admit myself. I have to... Uh, um, we have to make a deal that I, I had uh, no, never let me slow down, never accept my excuses. Uh, so all this we did up front. <laughs> so That's I, fantastic. I don't I, think a I lot of clients very, make I, it clear like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I didn't make it very hard for myself, <laughs> and 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 I, I told him, I told him to never let me. Um, suffer i'm very good at speaking but never let me get in the way so he know all my weakness and i know that he know all my weakness and that's a motivation for me well, to continue andrew don't you oftentimes have to play the psychologist you know you have to get inside yeah, the client's I, mind what, what what can you tell me about that that's that is an art that not a lot of personal trainers have mastered yeah, I think it all comes from the initial conversation, as Stella said, um, laying all the cards out on the table. And that has to come both from the client themselves, as Stella did very openly, um, and also from myself. I lay out what I will expect of the client. Um, and uh, and we just put it all out from the beginning. And then there's no, we can't, uh, there's no confusion over what the process is going to look like. I can usually read someone very early. Um, actually, from the first meeting, I can usually tell if this is someone that I want to work with um, or not. And how do you do that? Uh, how, do you, the, how do you figure that out? It, it's almost, um, it, it generally comes in a case of, uh, of the openness of that conversation. If someone uh, tells me they have this goal, first of all, they have to have a pretty specific goal. It doesn't need to be absolutely pinpoint and nailed in, but, uh, but there has to be something to actually work towards and something for me to program towards so that I can reverse engineer. Uh, otherwise, it's just working out. It's just exercise, and anyone can do that. You can join a fitness class. You can go to the gym and just do random stuff, and that's exercise. Yeah. It's not necessarily training, and that's the difference. Um, training has a goal in mind, and it has a systematic process. Uh, so I'm looking for that. I'm also looking for the openness Um from the clan, it's not—it's not necessarily anything to do about personalities. I don't feel—I don't um, really care if I feel that we have a really good chemistry and we're going to be mates during the process. Um, but it's—it's it's more about that we can be honest with each other, uh, that I can be upfront with you about what is expected, and I can also critique you without um, without you taking it too personally. Uh, it's done from a positive place. Uh, and Starla gets plenty of that. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but, um, but also that you can be open to me and give me feedback. That is a big part of my thing is I always want my clients to be able to um, 
be able to speak back to me and offer me their feedback, offer me um, and have a bit of input into the process themselves because then they become more invested in it. You know, so all while, while I will always be the one who has the sort of final say on what we're doing and the, and the, how the program will look, uh, I like clients to be involved in that process somewhat. Uh, and if someone can't do that, if someone can't be open about both their strengths, their weaknesses, and what they actually want, then you can usually recognize that this isn't going to be a successful process. I could take this person and I could work them out, I could exercise them, but it's not going to be a successful training process that's actually going to lead to the realization of some goals. I see. Let me ask you this, Andrew. Um, How long is that initial engagement between you and the client? Are you talking a month uh, is it, is it, is it several months? You know, how, how do you know, how do you and the client know when they no longer need you? I, I like to say when they've left the nest, when the bird has left the nest, <laughs> how do you know when that time yeah. comes? Uh, very individual from client to client, but one that they, um, are, they are less reliant on follow-up. They're not missing sessions in between our sessions. Mm. Um, they are, uh, they're basically ticking their boxes. I often talk about ticking your boxes. So for, for Sterla, for example, it's his four workouts a week. Um, he has to do a certain amount of walking and jogging a week. Um, we are not quite looking into a, a, a really regimented nutrition program just yet, but that's going to come a little bit further down the line, but we are looking at making some better habit changes. Um, and it's, it's just about ticking your boxes. And if the client can tick the boxes on their own without me having to kick them up the ass all the time, mm-hmm. uh, then, then they're good to go. And I often say, you know, I want to get everyone to the stage where they no longer need me. If they want me, yeah. if they still want me to be there coaching them, because uh, many people do. I've trained some clients now for upwards of three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some clients on board and it's not that they need me anymore for motivation or anything like that, but they like the program and they like the follow-up, they like the feedback. Um, and it's, it's a case of that. But again, it's, it comes down to enthusiasm as well, because most people are never going to be in a real position to write their own training program, I believe, because most people don't have the enthusiasm for it that I do. I read about programming and study it every day. Um, you know, you could maybe write a basic it's very simple program, but that's why so many people plateau as well yeah, uh, yeah. when following their own training programs. As, as Sterla mentioned earlier, he felt he would get to a certain level and then it would level out uh, because people don't know how to navigate, uh, especially when you become more experienced uh, and stronger. Actually, progress is harder to come by. Yeah. Um, and sort of navigating those levels um, is something that many people still want me to do, even though they might not necessarily need me to coach them on technique and stuff like I that see. anymore. I see. And that's where the online coaching comes in, you know, so we maybe don't have to meet face to face, but they still like the, the, uh, the programming side. Who, who wouldn't want to meet face to face with you? Come on, uh, <laughs> no, it's very, it's very expensive. <laughs> oh. um, Stula, do you um, let Let's talk about the nutritional aspect of things. Um, a lot of men get to a certain age. Let's say they turn forty, and they're still training. Training may be much more effective than they ever did in their twenties and thirties. And even though they're training properly, the results aren't coming. Or maybe they're getting a little less muscular and a little more body fat. And it always 
comes down to the nutrition. I will say, maybe Andrew, you can say something about this. I would say that a lot of the hormonal changes in men, you know, uh, can be can be handled to a certain extent through nutrition. In other words, nutrition can determine uh, your testosterone production to a certain extent. You, Stula, are you thinking about those kind of things, or are you just focused on the training right now? No, I'm uh, thinking, uh, actually my wife, uh, my, my girlfriend is thinking for me. So, <laughs> Don't um, they always? I'm, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very happy with that, because uh, we, we changed in March, we changed to low carb uh, and, and not a diet, but uh, a change of uh, lifestyle. Yeah. So, yeah. and I have been, and then I also started training a lot. So I have lost about 20 kilos. Uh, and wow. In, yeah. So, since when? So since it, when? Since March. Since March. Wow, March, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah, thank you. That's, thank that's, you. That's amazing. But it's it's very it's very much my girlfriend's because uh, she, I, I'm I'm so spoiled. <laughs> I'm so spoiled. <laughs> I I just I just put my hand into the fridge. And, and, and there is my package of food to to to, to work. All the all the people. I need my wife the, to listen to this. <laughs> I don't know if she know she knows. I thank her a lot, but she she's really and she she's really into it. So I ask her uh, to permission for everything I eat because uh, I have to stay. Uh, and and it's been it's been very important to to. To get the right weight, and 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 still I have a key, some kilos to to work yeah. with. But uh, Andrew will help me when we when we continue our training. So, well, I tell you, having yeah. a having a partner who is also focused on health and fitness and nutrition uh, is optimal. Um, my wife, when we first met and were married, this is going back to 2000, 2001, 2002. This is when I was a bodybuilder. And uh, I had always trained alone up until I met her. And then she and I trained together. And she's the best training partner that I ever had. And then today, she is the one who, you know, if I have a, if I have a day or if I have a period with lower motivation, she rises to the occasion and says, get your butt out there in the garage and do your powerlifting, you know, mm-hmm. um, she thinks it's sexy that I'm strong as I as I am, so she doesn't want to. You know, she has more invested in strong my. Strong is always sexy. Yeah, you know, so she has more invested in my strength than I do. I do it because it's fun. She likes me doing it because she thinks it's sexy. So it's it's a, it's a good it's a good mix when you have uh, a, a wife or for the ladies who have a husband or boyfriend or, or the guys that have a girlfriend who is also like minded when it comes to health and fitness. It helps. It, it helps, helps a lot. lot. Well, it, yeah. it's better than having someone, because unfortunately, some couples, there's a jealousy issue. If the one is in shape or at least doing something to get in shape or to change their health and the other one isn't, that can be a moment of contention. That can, Maybe you've seen this with some of your clients. Uh, I've experienced that a lot, actually. Yeah. It's oftentimes where, so if two people meet and one of them's already training and already fit and healthy, it's maybe not so much of an issue. Yeah. But when two people have been in a relationship and have been living an unhealthy lifestyle together and one decides to make a change, 
there's oftentimes friction at home uh, oh, yeah. because of that and the crabs in a bucket kind of uh, mentality. Well, relationships have ended over that issue, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, so l- let me go back to what I was talking about, uh, that connection between nutrition and hormone levels in yeah. men. Um, it's very interesting, Sterla, that you um, you cut down on your carbs. Uh, Andrew, what do you know about carbohydrate intake and testosterone levels in men? Is there any, uh, cor- is there any correlation there? I don't actually know a relation of carbohydrate uh, levels to testosterone in men. I know it's more to do with protein and fats, um, from what I believe. I'm not 100% brushed up on my nutrition, uh, if I'm honest, like in-depth like that. Well, um, like, I it's, guess It's related to, to your, your protein intake and your fat intake much more than your carbohydrate intake, um, I believe. Well, I guess uh, I, so I, guess I mentioned... is isn't necessarily something that I would recommend. That's something that Sterla um, decided upon himself. And if people like that method, uh, it tends to work very well for people who are a bit overweight because most of the foods that we tend to overconsume are carbohydrates. Um, so it's uh, so if someone likes that method and find it works for them, I let them go with that as well. As I say, I let people have that input into uh, their own approach. Yeah. And there's no sort of one fixed way to, no. to structure a nutrition plan that will work. So it's more about finding what suits the individual. Um and, uh, and to go to the testosterone thing as well, it's as much about to do with the training too, the strength training, um, all, all through, you know, from your 30s onwards, your testosterone is starting to, uh, your testosterone production is starting to dip and you can actually keep that high both through the foods you eat. So it's mostly related to animals, um, animal protein and animal fats and also strength training and lifting weights keeps your testosterone levels high as you age. I guess I was thinking about the carbs in relation to testosterone uh, in the sense that if you have a client, if you're someone who is in an extreme calorie surplus, which is leading to to, to overweight or, or obesity yeah. in the worst sense, uh, and if you need to cut those calories, um, my understanding is that if you cut most of those calories, not all, but most of them from carbs which will then give you more room, so to speak, for your animal protein and fats, which well, will yeah, then yeah, which absolutely. will then lead to that at least stabilizing, if not raising, your testosterone output. So it's not necessarily yeah. that a low-carb diet will help. You know, I, I, I guess I'm just explaining so that no one who's listening misunderstands. I'm not saying that a low-carb diet will automatically give you a higher testosterone production, but if you're in a calorie, an extreme calorie surplus, and when you're going to cut calories, cut them from the carbs first yeah. because you want to maintain the animal protein and animal fat to keep your testosterone levels as high as possible. Yeah, for most people who are overweight, as I say, it is going to be uh, the calories that are coming from carbohydrates that are the problem. Those are the foods that we tend to overconsume, the hyperpalatable, um, all the all the processed stuff, uh, all the tasty stuff essentially. Um, that makes that's very high in calories, but also very very easy to overeat. Yes, um, it tends to be carbohydrates, and that's why that's why for many people going low carb actually is effective because it it forces them to cut out the crap. Yeah, essentially, and it's it's almost as simple as that. Yeah, well, it's an interesting process, and it's something that a lot of people don't think about. Uh, a lot of men, rather, don't think about is that testosterone level. And you know, with all this talk about testosterone, I want to make it clear that I, 
I'm not going to say that I don't believe in testosterone replacement therapy, but of course, as, as you know, Andrew, you know, in our powerlifting federation, you, you, you can't do that. You cannot, no. you cannot artificially manipulate your testosterone levels. So with that in mind, I have always looked to other methods of keeping my testosterone levels as high as possible. And it's amazing how the foods you eat and the way you train can take care of that problem. That's just something yeah. for you to think about uh, later on down the road, Stula. That, uh, yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, that, yeah, that's something we're going to be looking at um, down the road a little bit as well. Is obviously, if he has aspirations of stepping on stage in a fitness competition, we have to be much more meticulous with the nutrition strategy as well. Uh, and I would also add into that, apart on the nutrition and the um, the style in which you train, but also sleep and just general uh, lifestyle wellness is all going to benefit your testosterone levels as you're uh, as you're moving through life as well. Well, your health is a is a huge package. Uh, a lot of people look at it as if it's a very small package, but it's huge because mm -hmm. it's your training, and then within that, it's how you train, how often you train, recovery, and so on and so on. And then it's also your nutrition, and then within that, it's your balance. You know your macros, your balance between carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. It's uh, the frequency of, of how you eat. It's the quality of the food that you eat. Uh, yeah. And then it's also things like your sleep, your stress levels, uh, your job, uh, yeah. what, what shift you work. You know. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. So. And, uh yeah, these are the things that people often overlook, like you say. Um, people tend to look at it solely in terms of uh, exercise and diet, but there's so much more. And I often call recovery actually the, the hidden variable or the neglected variable. Yes. Um, yeah. Because in terms of uh, seeing results and in terms of performance enhancement, recovery is actually one of the biggest factors that you can take into consideration to yeah. get performance-boosting uh, performance results. And then the catalyst uh, that comes into play with recovery that a lot of people ignore again is sleep. You are yeah. re you are recovering optimally when you sleep. So if you're not getting enough yep. sleep or if you're doing shift work, you know, working a lot of night shifts, uh, maybe you're getting enough sleep, but it's a different quality of sleep when you're sleeping during the day as opposed to sleeping normally at night. So there's so many yeah. little factors uh, that come into play there. It's, it's really a fascinating line of work. Um, I can see why you enjoy, I can see why you enjoy being a personal trainer. And then you, Stula, as a client, I can see why you enjoy that relationship because I would imagine it's a consistent learning process for you as a client. Of course it is. Of course it is. And, and uh, you know, I, I just had to lower my ego and listen and accept that uh, there are someone knowing much, much more than me. And, and I have to listen and be a good customer. <laughs> and, and he and does I, that then, well, to be fair, he does that very well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And even though sometimes I think maybe, okay, but I, I'm... Andrew had the last word every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, the thing is, it is it, it, it's very amazing. It's very interesting to watch how many people hire a personal trainer or an online uh, coach, and then they totally ignore their advice. Mm. I'm also um, not not full time, but one of my side gigs is is online coaching for powerlifters. And it's amazing. They pay this money. They, they, they come to me sometimes on their hands and knees, desperate after help, desperate to get help. I give them the help, and then they totally ignore it. 
That's a strange phenomenon that happens between trainer and client. Very strange. I don't, I don't understand it. No, I've experienced that myself. (laughs) I I don't know um, how it is, but uh, as uh, when I when I was asking, I was frankly honest, and I I I, I committed myself, and I have learned something. when I'm training myself, the, the, the session, sessions I train alone, I'm very satisfied. I think I'm doing very well. But I know, <laughs> but I know next time I do the same exercise with Andrew, it's painful. Take 10 <laughs> kilos off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, you know, because, uh, yeah, that is, uh, I, I like to... I'm standing there beside some girls at the gym there <laughs> looking at me and I'm standing there with my eight kilos, you know, I, I'm really not feeling, I really not feeling like a big guy. But, but anyhow, when, when I do it with Android, it's more painful. I can yeah. feel that it's hitting the right spots. So, so I, I've learned during this time that I have to listen. I have to do, cause, cause we are both uh, working for me actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have the proper relationship, between, uh, if, if you as a client have the proper relationship and the proper respect for your coach or, or your personal trainer, um, their face will always be in front of you on those days that you train alone. Their <laughs> voice will always be in your ear. You know, you want to, well, well yeah. it almost turns into a situation where you don't want to let them down. And I can say that from experience. Now I've always trained alone. I've never used a personal trainer. Um, but I have had people who I train with and I have sought advice from time to time from certain people and if you have that big name international level power lifter who you're going to send your video your training video to well their face is in front of you as you're training you you want to impress it's almost as if you are training in their honor or you're training for them you don't want to let them down i'm sure and i'm sure that's maybe to some degree what you feel about andrew yeah, of course, of course, because he he stands there and he's studying me, and I know, I know, I can see it on his face. Oh, I did something wrong, and I know that he's going to tell it to, to me, and I know that whatever I say, I, my excuses are not acceptable. It's just one way to do it; it's the right way, and and I think that this is some of the commitment I asked for. This is. When I was studying um, Andrew before, I asked him to to, to train me. I, I, I this was what I wanted. I wanted his focus, because to find a trainer, I think it, it's quite difficult. I tried it once before, and it was not successful. And, and, and not all and, trainers are I, good trainers. Excuse me. I was saying yes. Not all good trainers. I'm sorry. Not all trainers are good trainers. No, they're not. And and I think it's the balance between the trainer and the and the and me, the trainee, is is very important yes. to to have the right connection. Well, like I said to you, Andrew, I, I think I've said this several times uh, to you before. The way you train people is impressive. I can see when I'm there, and I you just you 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 have a different kind of relationship to your trainees than what the average trainer here in Norway has. Can you, you know, be, be a little arrogant now. Tell me what is, what is, what's different about you 
how do you stand out from the other trainers? Um, I think <laughs> I take my job seriously, yes. to be honest. Um, I do this full time, for one. Many, uh, many other personal trainers that I've worked alongside um, and on, on, on worldwide, I guess it's more of a side gig. Um, oftentimes people think because they love training themselves that they will enjoy personal training and they'll be a good personal trainer. Uh, there's a low barrier to entry into the profession. It's, it's oh, very, God. very easy to qualify as a personal trainer. Yes. <laughs> you know, so these, these, you get these uh, 19 year old uh, kids who go away to Bali for 30 days and they come back a so-called professional personal trainer. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of the better courses. Oh God. <laughs> but uh, you know, so it's, uh, but for me, I, I do it full time. I take it very seriously. Um, I feel that I have, an opportunity to make a positive impact on people's lives um and that's it basically i i, I take my job seriously what i do i don't think uh, i don't think i'm a, an outstanding personal trainer by any means there's gaps in my knowledge and i have uh, much more to learn um still but it's uh i i aim to do that i try to fill those gaps on a daily basis i read i study um, how do you keep, I mean, your, how do you I, keep I just, yourself updated? Can you say a little bit more about that? Are you, are we talking about formal courses or are you constantly? Both, yeah. Okay. Both. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I, I pretty much since I qualified as a personal trainer, which my, my certification was useless. <laughs> if I'm honest, it really was. Yeah. Uh, I just was doing it to get the paper. Um, so that I could qualify and start working. Um, Everything that I was taught in it, I already knew. Um, there was nothing groundbreaking or new. Now, now let me uh, let me just let me just interrupt for a second. That an initial certification that you got. Yeah, did that you was get my that, original certification. Did yeah. you did you get that back home or did you get that here in Norway? I got that back home. I okay. got that back home. Uh, but I think I think the standard in a lot of places is very much the same. Um, okay. Although I, I believe there is a good one of the one of the schools at least here in Norway that qualifies personal trainers as a much more in depth course. Uh, but since I'd done that, I, right from the start, I knew I wanted to take this seriously. I knew this is what I wanted to do. I messed about before with a lot of jobs that I, I saw no future in, and I knew this is what I wanted to do, so I said I was going to take it seriously. So since that point, I've always had some form of ongoing education going on in terms of formal certifications. Um, but also, uh, I read a lot in between. It started out uh, just reading articles and blogs and stuff like that. Now... I have uh, two or three research reviews that I get delivered to me um, oh. each month that I evaluate and read and to make sure that I'm keeping up to date with the latest evidence-based practice uh, practices. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just doing various courses, networking with other good trainers and good yeah. coaches that I know um, have knowledge that I don't. And uh, yeah, just always trying to keep myself sharp, essentially. Stula, do you feel like you're in good hands now? <laughs> I, I always have, I always have, and and uh, and we have uh, had a few discussions around this as well. But I, I, um, for me, as I told before, it's the it's the focus Andrew gives me when we are training, and he's he sees everything I do wrong, <laughs> and he tells me, and frankly, all he he tells me, but he tells me in a good way. He's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's you. He's honest, and and I think that's very important because you would feel it. He's not taking to any short. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. He he's, he is there all the time. That's what 
what's important for me. Well, uh, I do yeah. also tell him when he does something well, by the way. It's not only when he does something wrong. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, and So and Andrew Morrow is not a negative Nancy. He can tell you when you do something good. Yeah, he can. <laughs> he can. I, he can. I, if I think hard, I might remember, yeah. <laughs> no, so you'll no, get no. you'll you'll get good uh, you'll get good focus and attention from Andrew as long as I'm not there at the gym bothering him trying to talk while he has a client. <laughs> I, I, seriously, then, though, Andrew, I've caught yeah. myself so many times. Like, Wait, be been quiet, John. Here. My, since you, since you got that home powerlifting setup, it's been the best thing for my <laughs> business. <man. laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Now now all of a sudden he's getting clients. Hey, hey, that black guy is gone. Maybe I can train with Andrew now. <laughs> well, I tell well, you, no, I'm, it, no, go ahead. It's, go ahead. It's, it's, it's very important because I, um, I put a lot of effort into it. I, I stay mm. focused. I do my best. And, and of course, if, if I was hanging there and he was starting to talk to other people, it wouldn't be right. So, yeah, so yeah. I think that's a very, that's very important. Uh, one of the, and again, yeah, a lot of, important. a lot of trainers do get very easily distracted and it's, yes. it's, it's I cringe when I see it and I see it a lot and it's I, I just yeah, think yeah. that that poor client they're 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 wasting their money yeah they, they, they actually are and and uh, but then again I think it's something with the respect of your customer and yes. and in our relationship yeah because I just just as I'm training in between and I'm doing my best to to improve so that my trainer will uh, continue to work with me. Uh, so, so of course he, that one hour is, is, is it's very important yeah. for me. Yeah. 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 And I would fully expect as well. I think that's part of, uh, as I say, about the openness of the relationship. I yeah. would actually fully expect if I, if I did get it distracted for an instance, um, I would fully expect Starla to come up and call me out on it, you know, sure. and say, yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm paying for your time here. Come, this is, yeah. this is, this yeah. is my time. So it's, it's something I'm always conscious of as well as, as I said, it's, um, people play, pay a lot of money for my coaching. Um, it's, I, I, I want to make sure that I give them the best possible value within the time that we actually have together and in between times as well. Here's a question I'd like to ask you, Andrew. Now, now, Stuart, we've talked about your goals, what you want to achieve um, when it comes to your health. What about you, Andrew? What What are you looking to achieve when it comes to your physical, you know, strength or, or you know, do you want to get bigger? Do you want to get stronger? Do you want more conditioning? What do you want to achieve when it comes to your health? Yeah. Um, so for a long time, especially I was competing in powerlifting, as you know, it was all I was chasing strength numbers. Um, for now, right now, actually, um, I have two small kids. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old that keep me very, very busy and also yeah. affect my sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so for me, it's it's very much uh, kind of not. I wouldn't say I'm in a maintenance mode. I'm not just trying to stay where I am, but I'm not focused on really accelerating any improvements. I'm okay. focused on being consistent, being healthy, still trying to get stronger. And my numbers are still going up, good, but I, good. I'm not a really focused on a specific sort of, um, regimented training program to reach me a specific goal at the minute. I'm trying to be stronger. I'm trying to, um, uh, my, my main goal now is honestly, I'm, I'm 33 years old, but I think ahead to the point when I am 60 and 70 and 80, if I make it that far, I want to be strong, independent. How, um, how old did you say you are? I'm, I'm 33. 
Oh God, I hate you. <laughs> oh, I remember 33. Uh, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a son that same age. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh. So uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, for me, it's a it's a, a big part. Is about. Um, I want to be fit, healthy, and independent as I'm getting older. Yeah. Um, as, as I'm still a young man. Um, I have two young kids to keep up with. I want to be able to do that for as long as possible and grandkids and everything else that hopefully comes in the future. Yes. Uh, so that's a, that's a big part of my thought process now too. I don't have a specific, like I'm trying to hit this number, I'm trying to hit oh. this number uh, on any particular lifts or anything like that. I'm just trying to have a we- really well-rounded level of strength and yeah. overall fitness, um, not neglecting my conditioning work either. So you're not, but you're not thinking about any numbers in powerlifting. That's not. No, not particularly. No. So it's been, it's been probably the last competition I done, the last meet I competed in was I think three weeks after my, or no, six or eight weeks maybe after my daughter was born. Um, okay. And <laughs> I think I went four for nine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that kind of made me put it on the back burner yeah. a little bit, and uh, yeah, and say okay, maybe this isn't the the ideal time. Um, my work hours are obviously unconventional. I have a lot of supremely early mornings and a lot of late evenings as well. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes in the same day, uh, I have two sl- kids that never seem to sleep the night through, one or the other. They always uh, take turns. There's always one of them up. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm just at a stage in my life where it's very much I'm I I still I'm still training to get stronger and fitter, uh, but I'm I'm not really accelerating. It or really focused on any uh, one particular pinpoint goal. I'm still looking at the numbers. I still want to, I have one more, oh, yeah. I have one more <laughs> goal. And I'm not saying when I reach this goal that I'll quit powerlifting, but I think I will feel a sense of satisfaction. I'm not satisfied yet yeah. with my numbers. Yeah. Um, I want, uh, I want so badly to squat 370 kilos. When I do that, when I do that, then I think I'll be, I won't quit, but I think I'll be satisfied. I think when I can squat 370, uh, then I will cut weight and I'll go down because what I weigh now, right now I'm about 135 and that's too much. A more natural and acceptable and healthy weight for me is about 125 kilos. So if I can hit 370 at the weight that I'm at now, after that, I'll cut weight, maybe go down an entire weight class, and uh, yeah. and, th- and then rethink my goals. But three seventy, I, I I've I, yeah, I, yeah. I got to get that. What was your record? Three six five. Three three thirty five point five. Three thirty five. Yeah. That's the that's the Norwegian yeah, that's open insane, open record. But I, <laughs> yeah, uh, I <laughs> but I want uh, I have squatted three forty two point five in a competition, but it didn't count as a national record. So that's the most I've ever done yeah. in a competition, 342 and a half. And the most I've ever done in training is 350. Yeah. So the, yeah, num- the numbers, the number. those numbers are coming. You know, you know, listening to you guys now. Uh, am I, have, I reached, have I reached 50? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember what your last squad work, squad work I was, but yeah, every everything's relative to the sure. individual, of course. Yeah. And, and that's I, the thing, it's yeah. not to play the comparative game, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. we're very much still in the, in the, uh, in the process with you, Sterla, of, yes. Uh, drilling the execution and it's execution, execution, and I have to execution, say, and, and then we'll be able to accelerate and progress beyond that. 
and I have to say this as you know, as much as I squat and I have these goals and I compete and all that stuff, but my main competitor is myself. When I go to a powerlifting yeah. meet, I just want to lift more than I did before that. I don't really care so much about. That's because you're the strongest guy in the room, anyway. <laughs> well, 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 kind kind of because every no meet. Well, well, the last four meets I've been in, I've had the largest squat at the meet, but the least bench. Because I'm oh, only yeah. I'm only benching well, like sh- 25 yeah. kilos because I, yeah, I just yeah. can't. But I that's your can't. shoulder. That's my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. The biggest uh, squat and the smallest bench. <laughs> that's a heck of a combination. That is, man. <laughs> well, I am. I have a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the on the bench. We're on the way. That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's all it's that's very it. individual, and I always say to people, just outdo yourself. Who cares about? Mm-hmm. And that goes for the, the the hobby lifter. That goes for you know the person who is a who is a um, the client of a personal trainer, and it goes for the person who is the brand new power lifter. Because a lot of people want to get into a powerlifting competition, but they feel like they're not ready. And my answer to them is you're always ready. Just start. Yeah. And then that is your starting point. And then just try to do better each each time you compete. That's it. Yeah. And I th- yeah. I think it's okay to look around uh, at other people stronger than you or other people just a, one sure. step it's ahead motivation. of you on the level. It's motivation. feel a little bit competitive. Yeah. But mm. as long as you're not letting it discourage you, as long yeah. as you're using it aspirationally and inspirationally to actually compete and drive you forward rather than forcing you to retreat. Um, I think that's only a positive aspect. Yeah. So it's, it's how it's framed as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, my goals are in a different level, but I, I, uh, I do it for myself and I do it for my, uh, yeah. wealth being. And, yeah. and uh, of course I'm looking at other people's, but I, I want to be a representative for my age. There you yeah. go. Absolutely. And that's a great goal to have because I, I am an advocate for smashing that myth that after, I don't know, some people say after 40 or after 35 even, that it goes downhill when it comes to your fitness and your strength. And I, I just don't believe that. No, there's been too many cases of people uh, being in the best shape of their life and smashing records beyond those ages to ever yeah. believe that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I look at people I, I like... I plan on being stronger when I'm 40 than I was when I'm 30. You there know? you go. Yeah. It's, and it's yeah, fully, so. it's fully, it's, it's reasonable to think that it's possible because people are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to prove them wrong, Andrew. well listen listen guys i have uh really enjoyed this talk i hope that what we've talked about has given hope for the listeners out there you know the whole purpose of my podcast regardless of what i talk about regardless of what kind of guests i have on the main purpose is i guess i'm a little selfish because the main purpose is for me to get motivated in some way I want to learn something new or get motivated, but I also want the same thing to happen for my listeners. I want them to learn something and be motivated or comforted in some way after the episode. And I think the message here today is that for men, um, there's a lot of talk about women's health. You know, there's all these magazines, there's all these talk shows, podcasts, a lot of focus on women's health, both physical and mental. But let's not forget about men's health. Uh, I think it's very often overlooked by society in general, but also by us. We men 
don't look often enough at our own situation when it comes to our health. I hope people have listened to this episode and it's done something. Maybe maybe it's scared them. I, I, if you're scared, that's a good thing to be because it may motivate you to action. You're never too old to do something about your health. That's the message I want people to have. Totally agree. Totally agree. Maybe you were a little late on saying anything, Stuart. I don't know. Do you totally yeah. agree or, or just kind of agree? No, no, but I'm the oldest, so I can, I can, I have some. There you go. Had trouble hearing you. But again, but again uh, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you both for coming on. Stuart, it's been very nice talking with you. It, I'm, I'm going to be following your progress uh, going on, and hopefully I'll get to meet you face-to-face at some time. And, uh, Andrew, as I said, it's, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. I, you're one of the nicest guys I know out there and it's a pleasure to finally, after 72 episodes, yeah. <laughs> get you, get you on my podcast, but you both have an open invitation. Anytime you want to update me and my listeners on the progress between you two as coach and client, let me know. You guys always have a place here on my podcast. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. We love to come back sometimes. You're welcome. Yeah, really you. appreciate it, John. Thank you both. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye, everybody. Thank you and goodbye.